This is the Data Privacy Detective. Today, we're turning our eyeglass to things, specifically the Internet of Things. Now, that's a catchphrase for where objects, equipment, things meet data, where the IoT, the Internet of Things, meets data infrastructure. Now, let's take a quick example, uh, an automobile. Now, we don't think of a car as a collector and transmitter of data the same way we think of our computer or our smartphone. And neither generally does the law that regulates personal data privacy around the world. Now, we have Europe's GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, that's law throughout the EU. And it talks about data controllers and processors of our personal data. And that generally means companies that use computers and smartphones and equipment like that to collect and process our personal information. And, and there are great controls over it. Well, is that a car? Is that a vehicle? Not so obvious, is it? And yet some say that the average new automobile has within it 4,000 computers. And modern vehicles collect a lot of data about ourselves and transmit it. Now, that's just one example of what we're going to talk about today. And I covered this in episode 90 about the edge with a capital E, where devices and traditional data for infrastructure connect. Now, joining me today for, I think, what will be a very interesting and thought-provoking discussion is Daniel Murray. Now, Dan, you're an intellectual property and technology transactions attorney with Frost Brown Todd, a U.S. law firm with offices from Houston to Washington, D.C. So thank you for joining us today, Daniel. Good to be with you, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Well, let's jump into it. Now, now, let's start our conversation with this general question. With the Internet of Things emerged, is let's start with U.S. law. Is, is a law in the United States ready to protect our personal information? I think a lot depends on if if you're a person that loves um, regulation or if you're a person that hates it. I I can be I can take either side sometimes, but. Um, here in the U.S., we we don't have, uh, you know, a broad federal data privacy law, um, at least not of the type that, um, say, Europe has with GDPR or um, ca uh, Canada has with PIPEDA. Um, and California has their own state law called um, CCPA, which is a, a fairly broad um, data privacy law. So fairly recent, and but even that's not comprehensive that's aimed at certain things. Yep. Some people are really pushing for for the US to kind of join everyone else and have have something on the books. We don't we don't yet. So in in some ways that we're not ready for for what what's coming down the road or some might may even say we're not ready for what what's already here with all the data collection that goes on with our smartphones things like that. The technology is always changing on the other hand. So I, I think from a, a positive perspective, the fact that the U.S. doesn't have a federal law yet may may allow us, if we ever do have one, to, to craft it, you know, more up to date. Um, and involving things beyond smartphones and computers and tra tra traditional data infrastructure, because Let's face it, the automobile collects a lot of data about us and, and those in the car. 
And what happens to that data? And yet a lot of laws uh, are thinking about traditional data infrastructure rather than equipment. So maybe it's an advantage to the United States, as you say, maybe not. And then, of course, internationally, you have countries like China that want the central government able to access any data about its residents generally for the social uh, scoring system they have, you know, as compared with Europe, which is much more pro-individual, giving us the right even to delete data. Very great differences uh, around the world, but again, created when it was more a world of data infrastructure that we worried about. And now automobiles and I'll tell you what, let's move away from the automobile for a minute. Let's take our homes, whether we rent or we own, or for that matter, if we're just visiting. Uh, Are are there devices listening and watching us, collecting and sharing the data of, of us and our family members and our visitors? There are, and there are more all the time. So, you know, people sometimes will become an Apple family or, a, or an Android family, but your, your Apple devices, maybe it's an ITV or your phones, they often are listening to you. You know, if you, if you are asking Siri a question, well, it only works because Siri is, is listening for you. Or if you have an ITV or a Fire TV from, from um, Amazon or, there are um, other an- types of Android players. You know, if they can obey your commands, that that's because they're listening to you. You're getting more of more and more of those devices in your house, and even things like um, I think Google's Nest line of products, which um, have some smart thermostat functionality, and I think they also integrate with your security system, and you can have you know cameras um, and other things. So. Compared to five years ago, you, you have, you know, maybe 10 times the number of products in your house that are listening to you. And expanding all the time. I mean, you have smart yep. speakers. Uh, I, I've heard light bulbs even collect certain data about us. Yep. And, and uh, smart watches. Uh, now that could be inside or outside. I mean, the point is there are a lot of things watching us and collecting information about us. Yeah. Right? And then these these companies want to want to own the home. So. Amazon would love to have every product in your house be be from them. So they they have smart light bulbs, as you mentioned, smart speakers, fire tablets, fire TVs, um, and the same with Google. They're they want to do your thermostat, your security, your your smart speakers, your whatever it may be. Yeah. Now, when we when we when we buy a smartphone, I think most listeners now know that you can go to settings and you can set your privacy setting, uh, you know, whatever you want to do. And in, in Europe, it, it would be designed that the default would be pro privacy. And then if you want to be less private, you can choose that. But, you know, you, you buy a television set or, <laughs> or an air conditioning system. Where do you go to settings? You know, what do you have to go find the website? And then you see what I very different, isn't it, from traditional data infrastructure? It is very different. Like your your TV. I I think I've changed the contrast ratio and different stuff like that. But I I'm not sure that I've double checked what what data is it collecting about me. And then it, it can be confusing again, because say you have a Samsung TV and you hook it up to your Fire TV box from Amazon and then maybe your speaker system that you integrate with your TV is from Polk or, or LG. Um, and they're all integrating together because 
you know, maybe it's just your fire TV remote that controls everything. It can turn it on and adjust the volume. And when you're, when you're speaking, when you're doing voice commands, it's probably that say Polk speaker listening to you interacting with the fire tv putting something on a samsung tv you know so now you've got five six seven different companies who are collecting and they can then process your data that's what you're saying very different from having your smartphone and you tell your smartphone phone provider whoever it is uh, you know i don't want my uh, gps operating all the time so whatever but now now you're in a home and it's all being collected and shared by companies you may never have heard of (laughs) <laughs> yep. Your your internet service provider is is probably track, tracking you too. Uh, I don't know that I've ever checked my terms and conditions with my 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 service provider. So their network neutrality isn't the rule anymore. So they're they're probably measuring and seeing where people are going because they have to adjust the things they do, and they may want to charge things differently. And in in, a, in the United States, without an overarching federal law about all this, it's, it's, it's sort of up to each company to decide what it wants to do. And, and so uh, virtually impossible, isn't it, for all of us in a home to really control our own privacy when devices are listening that we just really don't know how to control. And so it's a it's a challenge for regulators. Uh, and as you say, that'll be up to the voters and then the uh, regulators to create the laws. But uh, and then you go internationally. I mean, imagine the uh, imagine the problems of a car maker. It, it makes a car with components from all over the world and it sells it in more than one country. Which laws did, which laws it's supposed to comply with? Because the data privacy laws are going to be different in different countries. Although the car is the car, you know what I mean? Let me introduce another subject that I know you've uh, thought about. And that's inadvertent collection. Most of the times when we're dealing with data privacy, it's about our personal uh, information and we share it and then we should have some right to control some of it. But, you know, we bring visitors into the house. What are we supposed to do now? Post a warning. Warning, uh, I- I- unless you consent to the use of uh, 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 of your presence here, uh, you know, yeah, we're going to record you and, and 27 companies are going to have your data. So if you want to come in, come on in. It wouldn't be very friendly, would it? No. Yeah. And you have a party with 20, 50 people over. I have no idea how much data is collected, say, by your smart speaker during that time. Okay, Um, And one of your guests gets really drunk and embarrassed their pictures taken and without their knowing. How are they supposed to request that those be deleted, even if they're European residents? Yeah. Yeah. If you're if you're a European citizen, you have a right to be forgotten under the GDPR. To Um, some extent. That's right. Yeah, but not in the United States. Not as far Um, as I know, not in any law of any state in the United States. Right. So the inadvertent Um, collection problem is is a real issue in a car, at home, and elsewhere. Well, let me turn to a couple of the newer challenges for what we're talking about, and those would be the metaverse and blockchain technology. So let's start with the metaverse, and of course. uh, Meta is a new name for one of the big companies. You know, it used to be Facebook, Metaverse. And uh, what do we know about the Metaverse? I, you know, I looked it up, Daniel, in the uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary. I couldn't find it. So why don't you tell us what the Metaverse is? I couldn't, I couldn't find it there either. I tried. And um, the Metaverse is the soon forthcoming kind of virtual reality world that that we may be spending quite a bit of time in. And we'll see, but some people think 
I don't know, 10, 10 years from now, you and I might be spending four hours a day, 10 hours a day in a virtual reality world where we're interacting with other people, maybe having this conversation, this, this podcast in, in uh, that world. And this would be through the use of some type of VR or AR, augmented reality, VR or AR headset, which um, we would put on and then enter this this metaverse. And some of so us may have Android headsets and others uh, uh, different yeah. Apple headsets. Who knows what the future will be for any company? But uh, so yeah, who's, who's going to own that data and what are the rules that are going to apply to that? It's I think it's an open question. Uh, I, I think definitely companies are trying to position themselves to be the main provider there. So that's part of what I think Facebook did. They're, they're definitely aligning themselves with that metaverse. And I think they want to be your main go-to for, for that. They want to own the metaverse. Like you were saying, yeah. some companies want to own the home, you know? Yeah. So own the home, people want to own, own the verse. And it, it's so hard to predict what exactly it'll look like or what the experience will be, will be like from a kind of a data privacy and, and data use perspective. But, you know, all the data that is collected about you right now, whether you, whether it's your smartphone, your your smart speaker, your car, the same thing will be true in the metaverse. Your right. the data of how you spend your time, what you do, um, how you spend metaverse money, that's all going to be very valuable, potentially even more valuable than than the things collected now. If If we're spending a ton of time in the metaverse, then the value just goes up and up. And the laws probably haven't been written. Well, let's talk briefly about uh, you know cryptocurrency and really the essence of blockchain technology. Now, there's a benefit there from uh, from the blockchain point of view because it's uh, so-called incorruptible because no single user controls it. You know, there's no central bank of data in a, in a blockchain system. The ledger is agreed to and recorded by all system nodes. But then, if a ledger can't be changed, how do you deal with data privacy concepts such as the right to be forgotten, the right to have your data corrected if it's incorrectly kept? How does blockchain interfere, rather interact with, uh, with data privacy? It really complicates the issue. Blockchain, such as Bitcoin, it, it, it gets so much value from being an incorruptible you know, ledger, a distributed ledger. Where no no single person, no single user can can change the system. It's 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 built on um, you know all all the nodes agreeing to the ledger. If blockchain is integrated into say uh, the Internet of Things and and say people's name and info and and other things get onto a blockchain, they can't really be changed. So. I think anonymization will have to be a big part of maybe how that gets integrated and, and made compliant with data privacy laws, maybe. Um, Pseudonymization anonymization. or anonymization. You're really talking about the partition of collected personal data features. Uh, yeah. Regulators or law writers may, may require that if they're on the pro-privacy side. Well, let, let's turn to one more issue. There's so many here, and that's uh, th th this evolution of data localization, where, for example, China wants to uh, uh, have access to all of its residents' data to have its social scoring system and to control society more than we see in other societies, such as the United States, not taking sides on it. We're here to observe what's going on. But in, in, in that kind of world, 
when you add to that, that data can be collected and processed by things, uh, you know, by cameras on the streets and devices implanted in your car and at your home and so on. I mean, is there any privacy left? <laughs> I'm not sure there is. <laughs> it's a challenge. Yeah, and so for mm-hmm. lawmakers, they have to decide how to balance this uh, between law and order, I'll just call it on one extreme and, 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 the, and the personal privacy rights on the other side. But the equipment certainly challenges it uh, beyond having smartphones and computers. And maybe just to wrap up here, uh, you, know, you know, as things affect privacy, it's not just about what of our information is collected and stored. It's also that things are attacking us with ads. They're attacking us with robocalls. We haven't asked for that. And if you think of privacy as in part, at least, the right to be left alone, there are more and more things, the Internet of Things, coming after us without our request, without our consent. Daniel, would you agree with me? The laws are pretty behind in thinking that one through. Yeah, there's definitely complications coming down the road that'll, I I think, make some of the disagreements or or, uh, controversies now seem like child's play. (laughs) Yeah, maybe we'll get those sorted out. And meanwhile, life will evolve in ways where the law will have to catch up, as it usually does. With, uh, with business realities and technological evolution. Any final comments, Daniel, before we conclude this session? One, one kind of belief I have is that there aren't utopias. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's a utopia where we're, we have perfect regulation. I also don't think there's a utopia where we have zero regulation of, of data privacy. I, I, I think there's just going to be so many competing balancing interests. I think there's going to be harms from doing too much, harms from doing too little, uh, but it, it's going to be tough to find the right balance, but we'll, I think we'll have to do it somehow. Look for the balance. Maybe May the force be with us. Maybe yes. Yoda will have an answer. Well, as always, I'll conclude by reminding us all, protecting your personal data begins with you.